You know, so really the global supply chain goes two ways. You know, it's like we're not just the only ones that are buying products. The world, as the world becomes more affluent, they also want to buy the products too. So it's kind of important to keep those global supply chain doors open so that we can be able to sell products to the rest of the world, you know, American-made products, and that they'll buy products from us. Hi, this is Anita, the Global Trade Gal. Today I want to talk a little bit about why the supply chain or sourcing or global sourcing is not dead. You know, I've been reading a lot and there's been a lot of people that talk about, oh, COVID has shown us the problems within the supply chain is going to kill the supply chain and, and, you know, all these other things. But I don't think that's true at all. And I want to tell you the reasons why. If you're interested on my blog, Mindoro, M-O-N-D-O-R-O.com, I've written a blog post called Why Global Supply Chain and Sourcing is Not Dead, 11 Reasons Why. Today I wanna to talk about some of the reasons why I don't see the global supply chain being dead. One is, first of all, it's cost. Just the sense that cost is cheaper for many products overseas, it is just not economically viable to produce the product in the United States or another part of the rest Western world. It is just cheaper to produce it in some countries like China or even Vietnam or Indonesia. It just makes sense to be able to do it there. One of the other reasons why it could be cheaper may, may, may have something to do with something completely different. It might just have to do with the fact that some of the overseas factories, some of these global factories have actually invested in, you know, high cost machinery. You know, you go into some of the factories and I think the visions where people are thinking about all oh, these dirty, dingy factories, everybody's working on the floor. It's not always true. There are some fabulously high-tech factories producing products overseas. You know, and many of these factories have spent their money and invested in a lot of high-tech machinery. And because of that, they have some very sophisticated machinery that they're able to produce things very quickly and at a very good price and very good quality. Many of the factories that are overseas are doing things that Americans or, you know, American uh, factories just cannot. You know, maybe it's something that has to do with the hand things, things that are hand painted, things that, you know, require some type of hand work. For example, weaving. We go into several factories that are doing some weaving of furniture and other things. American factories aren't going to do any weaving. Why? because it's so expensive to have somebody hand weave things in the United States. It just wouldn't make economic sense. And besides that, the skilled workers are over in Asia. And some of these people that I see are weaving things really, really fast. I mean, they're not slow weavers. They're very, very fast weavers. There's also, there could be a lot of labor issues in the U.S. and the West now. And I think if COVID has shown one thing is COVID has shown about many of these labor issues. One of the big things that's been on the news lately is where people have been saying that they've been quietly quitting or quiet quitting. And what I understand quiet quitting is, is they are not happy with their job, but they don't really have a new job yet. So they just sort of quit. Or, you know, when it comes time, it's at, you know, it's at five 
p.m. and they're just like, okay, I'm leaving, I'm going home. I don't care. I'm not gonna answer my phone, I'm not gonna do anything extra. I'm just basically off work, I'm done. This is great, you know, for them. This is great because of their, you know, lifestyle choice. But in reality, you know, companies will start going overseas where they're gonna find people are willing to work hard. People are, they're not gonna be quietly quitting. They're not gonna be, you know, at their desk and not really working because they've decided to quit. Because that actually becomes really expensive where suddenly if someone is quietly quitting at their desk and they're not doing all that they need to do, well, suddenly the cost that they're paying them is gonna be three or four times higher than what the actual cost should be. And eventually they'll figure that out. Another reason I think will be, it's just the lost art and skills. There's just some things which Americans aren't doing anymore. An example would be weaving baskets or weaving or maybe hand carving furniture. There's not that many hand carvers left. There's not that many young people you know, going to college and saying, I wanna become a hand carver of furniture. So you know those people that are actually doing it are able to charge premium prices and it's very expensive. So it's much cheaper to do it overseas. Another reason could be there could be demand for certain type of products. You know, I remember when I was a child and you know, I only really had like one or two pairs of shoes just because shoes at the time were really expensive. You know, a lot was made in the United States. This was before, you know, China was really, you know, going strong. And so, you know, we really didn't have that many clothes or shoes or other things. In fact, it was much cheaper for us to make our clothes ourselves. Well, today, you know, clothes are so cheap. You know, thanks to China, shoes are so cheap. You know, that kids today even have, you know, so many pairs of shoes, so many pairs of pants, so many, you know, tops and other things just because it's cheap. You go to Walmart, it's like, oh, it's only 10 bucks, so you buy it. You know, and that that's what overseas has done is it's made this whole consumer, you know, type of lifestyle that we are used to now. We're used to having a lot of shoes, a lot of clothes and other things, and to be able to afford them. You know, many people in the West too might be surprised when they start going into some factories and how many factories are concerned with sustainability and with global sourcing. Recently, I've been doing some study about foam and in particular about a U.S. Um, you know, nonprofit organization, which is called CertiPure. And CertiPure is all about making sure foam is produced so it doesn't hurt the environment and that companies are transparent in this. And there's many companies that are overseas that are saying, hey, you know, we're producing foam that doesn't hurt the environment, foam that doesn't have fiberglass, foam that doesn't have, doesn't have all these harmful substances in it because they realize that's what their consumers want, that's what the people want, and if they want to be able to do business with some of these American companies, they need to be able to offer that. So actually sustainability and you know, and global sustainability in the sense of the environment has become more important in Asia. You know, I've known of, of factories in China that have been closed down because the government said that you are not, you know, looking at the environment. So all of this has really changed over there and factories have had to become more aware of this. So, you know, really in, in reality where people say like, oh, well, they don't, they're able to produce it cheaper because they don't care about the environment. That's not true anymore. That is all really changing. There's many companies that have the global supply chain model. In other words, they don't produce anything. They basically buy from overseas, they bring it in, and then they resell it. And that is their main model. So companies that are doing that, there's many, many successful companies, and that's what they do. 
that they're not going to suddenly change their model and say, hey, we're going to start producing this all in-house. It's just not going to happen. Number one, they're probably not going to have the ability to be able to produce it because understanding all the technology to produce a product is difficult. Buying a product and knowing how to uh, the technology to produce the product are two different things. And also, too, would be the labor and the cost would be prohibitive. And last is, I think, it's a, you know, um, a couple of other things is that you know, the world is really set up for global supply sourcing, for the sourcing of supply chain. The world is set up for this. You know, because really the global supply chain works two ways. You know, you would be surprised, those of you who maybe have not been to Asia, to discover that a lot of pistachios and almonds are actually from the United States. And that, that actually countries like China and Vietnam and other places like this buy a huge amount of American agriculture. You know, and there, and also you can find you know, American cheeses. You can find milk from America. You can find many other products too from America or New Zealand, especially in Australia. You can find all these imported products. Why? Because the people here they want to buy the imported products. It's it's been changing. That you know, used to be in a place like China, you could hardly ever find cheese. Now you know everybody wants cheese. They want butter. They're used to having that, so you can find it almost everywhere now these days. You know, so really the global supply chain goes two ways. You know, it's like we're not just the only ones that are buying products. The world, as the world becomes more affluent, they also want to buy the products too. So it's kind of important to keep those global supply chain doors open so that we can be able to sell products to the rest of the world, you know, American-made products, and that they'll buy products from us. And one of the last things is that changing the supply chain takes time. I think if we've learned anything from, you know, many of the Trump era, uh, the Trump era tariffs, is that many companies are still buying from China. And why are they still buying from China? Well, because China's producing things that they can only get in China. So really, even you put tariffs on things, it doesn't necessarily stop the supply chain, because changing a global supply chain takes time. This is why I feel like the global supply chain or the global sourcing is not dead and will continue. These are some of my reasons why. If you'd like to read in more uh, detail, I'll put a link below for our blog that talks about this. But this is why I feel like the global supply chain will continue for a long time to come. This is Anita, the Global Trade Gal. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast. And if you have any questions, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to have you subscribe to us and become part of our community. We'd like to thank those who are on our team to help make this possible, in particular Rico, for his help in making this podcast possible. Thank you so much for listening, and we truly do appreciate you.